It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Right, gents, thanks for joining me for this end of season debrief. I think this is possibly the first time we've done a, a podcast like this as a four. It feels unfamiliar to have us all in one place at one time. Our schedules have aligned. The season's over. It's time to reflect. We're going to do our end of season awards, and we've also got a QA coming up later in the week as well. So I'm going to come to you in order of how we are on the screen. So, James, you first, then Ash, then Matt in the bottom corner uh, last. Um, first of all, James, are you, are you happy with how the season's gone? Are you pretty happy with the 11th place finish? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it was in no question that it fizzles out, but it was nice to end two big, big wins. So I think that, that has redeemed a lot of it. But overall, it was a fantastic season. 20 points up, I think, from last season. Yeah. So can't argue with that, mate. Ash? Oh, I'll say there. Got me, got me good there. Um, yeah, I mean, I've just seen the stats. It's got 55 points when we got European football a couple of seasons ago when, when Burnley got it in seventh. Yeah. So, yeah, incredible points, points haul in the end. And a big shift. And like, like you say, it's been a sound like a broken record. Had Jack Grealish been fit for 38 games, I think Villa would have been knocking on the door. So, yeah, the buzzword Smith keeps on using progression, progression, progression. So, yeah, I think, yeah, really positive season. And, they look to improve on it next season. Yeah, I can't speak highly enough of what, what they've done. I would like to um, like to echo the thoughts of my learned gentleman. Uh, <laughs> it's been it's been a it's been a, a season of progress, hasn't it? You know, twenty points extra the last season. You know, if we continue at that, that continue to rack up points at that rate, I'm looking forward to the 2023-24 season. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's no, brilliant. It's it's been progress for I'd say most of the players in that squad have kicked on, whether it's because they've got more experience, whether it's just because they've set their own standards higher. So not only has the first team squad kicked on, but we've seen some nice little nibbles from some of the kids coming through as well. So I think it's surpassed expectations, probably not surpassed expectations of the morning after the day we battered Liverpool. I think we thought we were going to go and win the treble um, (laughs) that day. But in terms of what we thought was going to happen this time last summer, I think it's, uh, it's definitely mission accomplished. Are you all able to sum up the season in, in one word? I'll put you on the spot a little bit there. Is anyone thinking of a word they can go first with? I'm trying to eagerly scan your faces to see if you thought of something. I got, I got one. Uh, impatient, um, because I was feeling, you know, when we were speaking uh, in December, oh, we're gonna, we've got Europe on the on the go title challenge. You know, I think that affected our uh, probably the majority of people's beliefs in thinking, oh, you know, we, we're going to just cruise this and... And we didn't, and I think it affected. You know, you saw some people talking about Dean Smith losing his job and stuff, which I don't agree with. But the success and maybe the overachievement affected it and made us all a little impatient. But you know, the the, the rewards are there to see if we can carry on next season. So really excited now. I got I got four. What what could have been? I mean, it was all there for the, I mean, the start of the season. Was incredible. Not like James said, he whetted the appetite, didn't he? Saying what can what can we actually go and do here? Because the big sides of fortune at the time. We spanked Liverpool, Arsenal, and the festive period was really good as well. We just 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 fell off a little bit, but that's that's to be expected. So I think the word Dave Smith uses 
week in, week out is inconsistent this year. So it's been, it's been a bit inconsistent, hasn't it? Hmm. But overall, you can't, you, can't, you can't moan, really. I'll buy you a couple more seconds, Matt. I'm going to go with the classic cliche of consolidated. Came up last season, consolidated this year, and then hopefully push on towards a top six finish next year if all things go as we hope they do over the summer. You had a bit of time to think, Matt. Have you come yeah, up strong words? Honest. All, I've no, got is, all I've got is chuffed because <laughs> I'm chuffed. I'm chuffed at where we finished. I'm chuffed that, that Dean Smith has kind of been able to answer some of his critics. Um chuffed that we've still got Jack Grealish and he's kicking on and we've got a world-class player in our ranks. I'm chuffed with the recruitment. I'm chuffed that Villa are back where, back where we were 10 years ago. To be honest, we're actually in a stronger position to them where we were 10 years ago because it's a club on the up. So, yep. Chuffed. It's a typical Villa that for the first time you get 55 points since I think 93 or 94 season. You finish in the bottom half, which I was said to you before we went on there, uh, after the Chelsea game, Matt. Surely 55 points gets you higher than 11th place. So to see that it's 20 odd years, um, more than that, 25 years for, for you to finish outside the top half with a tally of 55 points is it's classic Villa, isn't it? That we've not finished higher than that. But I think it's the first time in Premier League history that yeah. any club has ever finish outside the top half with 55 points uh, according to the stats guru on up to last night so yeah but said this to you all along Dan it's as much as you want your club to finish as high as possible I like to know that we're moving forward and I think that's a good barometer to try and beat next season you know that's listen people think let's push for Europe straight away and why not have that ambition but at least 11th we've got a very simple straightforward kind of objective let's finish in the top half next season like you said as well, Ash, if Burnley got uh, European football with 55 a few seasons ago, if we'd have improved slightly and get 58 or 59 next year, season, there's a good chance that'll see them closer to that European target as well. Yeah, for sure. That's the aim, yeah. I mean, they want to kick on. They want to finish banging on the European place next season. So, all points to a big summer. We'll start with our first award then, our current Blue end of season awards. Obvious one at first, player of the season. Um, I imagine we're probably all going to go down the same route here, but we'll have the names from each of you first and then we'll see if any of us differ. So, uh, Ash, do you want to go with your player of the season first? Yeah, a bit of a curb. Well, I wouldn't say a curb, but I'm, I'm going for every cancer because I banged his drum throughout this season. I want to go back on, on. We used to do this on the Sunday League with the Cats when we used to, um, used to, used to have player ratings and the manager used to tot all the, the scores up at the end of the season. So I want to go through the 38 games, see who's got the, the points on the player ratings. But I think more, more of that goes to Kansa. I know others are in the shade, but I think he's been unreal, uh, really. And he's been a key, key component for the, for the success. He's had a couple of. Couple of Inconsistent with displays of late, but he gets my votes. I can't speak all enough of him. He should be, on, he should be going to the Euros squads tomorrow, but he probably would just miss out. But what a talent the Villa got the runs there. I think he'll be, a, yeah, he's, he's slotting it right back last couple of games and looked assured. So he can do it all, can't say. He gets my votes. Yeah, not the one I would have gone with. I thought we were all going to go for Emmy Martin. <laughs> so yeah. not the start I thought there. Matt and uh, James, who are you going for? What's mad about the season, though, is like you could have, you know, if there's another 10, 15 games, you could have started talking about Nakamba, Traore and Al Ghazi. Like, there's, yeah. there's a lot of names, like even Matt, you know, Matt Target as well. Uh, but I've got to give it to Emmy Martin. There's um, surpassed everything I thought a Villa keeper would be capable of. You know, I didn't expect we'd ever get a uh, goalkeeper keeping 10 clean sheets, let alone, you know, 15. So... You know, possibly even 16 he could have kept. I'm unfortunate about the uh, last game of the season, but got to go to Emmy Martinez. Fantastic. And uh, I hope he can replicate it or beat it next season. Yeah, I'm going to go with another different one. I'm going to go with Super Jack because even though he's been missing for the last two months of the season until recent weeks, I don't think we can underestimate um, 
the ability and the influence that he's got. His numbers are fantastic. I think he scored six times and, and got 10 assists. Uh, every time a challenge is put in front of him, he rises to it and smashes through it. Um, even him, I don't think it's any coincidence that Villa won their final two games of the season yeah. when Jack Grealish was back was back in the starting lineup. Um, so yeah, and that, that's knocking that that's not knocking any of the players around him because I think the fact we're having this discussion like this this time shows that it hasn't been a one horse race, and that's that's um, credit to credit to the squad around him and the players who have stepped up to uh, to deserve to be on the same pitch as him. Yeah, and I think as much as I agree with the points you made there, I think you'll probably be in the minority of Villa fans that wouldn't put Grealish as the player of the season just because he missed so much of it. Not that they don't rate him, but you miss a third of the season. You and someone like Emmy Martinez has played the whole season. I think that's that's why he gets my vote. And like we said on the Chelsea podcast, I still can't believe Arsenal let him go for for twenty odd million. And he's probably one of the best signings of the, the Premier League window as a whole. Never mind just for Villa. So he gets it for me as well. The next award we're giving out is the best signing. So easy segue for me there for my last one. Amy Martinez, best signing for Villa, my player of the season as well. Uh, it was a good window though, and you could pretty much have any name here, and I'd, I'd say yeah, fair enough. Yeah, uh, I think Amy Martinez is there, but Ollie Watkins for me because you know the the, the kind of spectre of Tammy Abraham has uh, hung over the club for ages. I don't feel like we even need to mention that name this summer. I, I don't know what Matt and Ash think, but Ollie Watkins has changed the game as a striker for me. Um, he deserves. I think a lot of people. Speak about pushing him out to the wing. He deserves to be starting central forward for Aston Villa for the uh, long term. So, got to be Ollie Watkins. Great points about Watkins. So important um, for what Villa do. But I'm going to go Martinez, yeah. Just to, to come in and just be that, sound, that, that sounding voice at the back. I, I hear him in close quarters at Villa Park as well. And the players absolutely adore him. And he's fitted into that dressing room seamlessly. He's, he's become a bit of a fan's favourite, as we've seen at Villa Park yesterday. Um, when he come out for his warm up, yeah, goosebumps, and you see when he saved that from Chilwell, he give the North Stand a little pump as well. So best signing for Amy Martinez, what a season he's had, twelve million quid. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I agree. It's got to be got to be Martinez. Um, a little bit of me takes takes a bit of mischievous delight in the fact that Arsenal <laughs> <laughs> thought they make made a really uh, shrewd transfer call in letting him go, um, and he's been brilliant. I think he's been the kind of the platform, the solid platform on which, on which Villa have, have built this season of consolidation, really. He uh, seems like a really charming fella as well. You know, he, he's a big personality. I've banged on about Tom Heaton and, and, and what, a, what a really important signing he was. And for Martinez to come in and surpass surpass what, what Heaton's all about. I, I can't see too many flaws in his game at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's, he's agile. He's he's brave. Um, his distribution's normally pretty good, and he's a good communicator. And to get all of those bundled into one for a goalkeeper, um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant bit of business. Yeah, I think the two that we've mentioned there, Watkins and Martinez, I've, we spoke on several podcasts over the over the course of the season of how they ranked previous players we've had in that position. Emi Martinez has got to be the best goalkeeper. I've seen in my time. I think I'd have always said Friedel before this. He's matched his clean sheet record now, and I just seem to like Martinez more. I don't know. That's a, a recency thing more so than anything. And then Watkins, he's as good a striker as I've seen since Benteke is, is the only other one for me. And he, he hasn't got the same amount of goals Benteke's got, but I think he's a better overall player and he offers more to the team than, than Benteke did. You, you've seen, I've come to you, Matt, just because you're the oldest by default, I don't mean this in a rude way. How do those two rank in terms of different players that you've seen in your time going back to the 90s and the, the League Cup successes? Yeah, probably Bosnich is the is the goalkeeper by which 
yeah. all subsequent goalkeepers are judged. Um, Bosnich was able to do it over several seasons, so uh, probably just edges, edges, edges Emmy for now. But I can see that you can see that changing if he continues in the form that he's been. I don't know. I've been, been blessed to see some brilliant centre forwards, all very different. You know, saw a bit of Alan McAnally, um, Dwight York up there, Dean Saunders, Dalian, um, Angel for a couple of seasons. Um, so, you know, again, I think it's consistency, isn't it? I, what I love about Ollie Watkins is he seems so humble uh, mm. and he seems so, you know, he's, he knows he belongs on a Premier League platform, but he knows what got him there was this graft and this kind of, you know, this being being the ultimate team player and that hasn't stopped. So the good thing about Ollie Watkins and, you know, won't be the first person to say this, is even when he's not scoring goals, he's contributing, he's, he's making life difficult for defenders. Um, I think both players are at a really good age where they can go on to become yeah. proper Premier League greats with Villa. Moving on to our next category, we've got most underrated player in the Villa squad this season. This one requires slightly more brain power because I don't think it's an obvious answer. Or I certainly couldn't think of one anyway. Um, but as I'm asking the questions, I can dip out and try and think a little bit while the rest of you guys talk. So I'll come to you first, Matt. Most underrated oh, Villa player this season. <laughs> Why did you come to me? I'm the most underrated member of the podcast. Is that what uh, yeah, if you like. <laughs> um, I'm going to go a bit. I don't know whether it is random because I think I think I think Villa Park and the fan base will or do have have collective love for him. But I'm going to go Jacob Ramsey because the journey that he's had to get into that first team, not only the first team squad, but to I don't know, move to the front of the queue ahead of some big, big names, some big money signings and, and that kind of thing. Listen, I, I think there's a lot more, a lot more to come from, from Jacob, Ram, Jacob Ramsey. And maybe I'm giving him a little bit more, more love because he is the kind of fits the, the one of our own um, templates. But I think he's been good. I think he, I think he hasn't looked phased. Uh, I think he's stepped up with confidence. He's got energy. Um, you know, he's effectively ended Conor, Conor Harahan's, Aston Villa career, which yeah. is no mean feat, and we know that we know that that Harahan, you know, kind of had that tendency to to blow hot and cold, um, but certainly in the Premier League. But for Dean Smith to be able to trust that lad to come in and to start regularly, uh, not every week, but you know, I don't know his stats, but he must have he must have started about eight games, been involved in about twenty games. I'd have thought. Um, so I'd, I'd give it to him because I, I think. I don't it'd be interesting when we, we are all allowed back in Villa Park, but I get the sense that people are a little bit impatient with him, expecting a little bit more, a little bit more, which I think will come, but I think we can't underestimate what he's already achieved so far. I appreciate the, the randomness to the podcast. James, most underrated? Um, no, you're the most underrated, most underrated player. <laughs> uh, I'll go with Bertrand Traore. Um, I think there's a lot of conversations about his defensive work rate, but if he does what he's done this season, he can sit on the halfway line if he wants, to be honest. Yeah. Scored more goals than Kevin De Bruyne, Tammy Abraham. Scored more than Jack Grealish, obviously, because he was injured. Mason Mount, James Rodriguez. You know, there's questions about his consistency, but if there's questions about his consistency, there should be questions about everyone's consistency. And with fans there, he looked a delight as well. He's a wonderful mm. footballer to watch because, you know, he'll, he'll do something mad, mess it up then do something equally mad 20 seconds later and just score it. So, you know, he's the, he's the football fan's football player. Um, he's someone I'm rooting for at Aston Villa. He's still got a long way ahead of him. But, you know, if he can improve on this season, he'll be a fantastic credit to the football club. Toro Mings, I'm going for underrated. He, he probably rates himself more than more, more, more so than us. But, I mean, just 
been I've seen it all at Palace last week when he was out of the team and Villa fell apart yeah. in that second half and his his importance can't can't be questioned. He, he's the voice at the back. He get, keeps everyone in check. And Villa are defensively weak without him. So I know Conte gets a lot of the plaudits. Martinez and Target get all the plaudits. But I think Tyra Means get missed gets missed out from time to time in terms of praise. And I think yeah, I think he gets more votes underrated. I mean the stuff he does on the pitch, keeping everyone in line and. That defensive record they've had this season has been largely down to Mings. Um, yeah, we can't speak hard enough of him. And I think he'll be in the Euro squad tomorrow as well. So, Tyrone Mings for me, Dan. Yeah, I agree, actually. I thought that would be a left-field shout for me to say Mings. He's talking about an England international and we're sitting here saying he's underrated. So, he's clearly not underrated. But I think I think it's that fans maybe don't, or some fans don't realise the importance that he's got in that back line and, and we still sometimes don't rate him as highly as we probably should. Um, I almost said Trezeguet and or El Ghazi as well, just because I've spent half the season slagging them off saying they need to be improved next season. So I can't, thought I can't really then say I'm underrating them. Um, but yeah, they're all fair shouts there. And I think um, any of those would have won the category of most underrated pretty easily. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going here. Uh, we'll move on to the next category and I'm surprised for most improved if anyone says anything other than Matty Target. Yeah, should we move on? <laughs> I've got a good side to be fair for most improved and we've already mentioned him it's uh, it's got to be for me Amar El Ghazi like who has been you know at the start of the season when we watched um, when we reviewed Burton versus Villa in the League Cup we said like he's got there's no chance he's going to be anything at this Premier League level and you know to score, I think he scored more than Nicolas Pepe and the same as Raheem Sterling and I know a lot of them have been penalties but Matt Targets went from okay to brilliant whereas El Ghazi's been from non-factor to someone you'd start next season in the Premier League if he's willing to continue the form he's been in. So, for me, it's Algarza. Yeah, not a bad shout. Does anyone just want to give a bit of love to Matt Target so he doesn't feel underappreciated <laughs> and underrated? Well, he, got, he got players bad, didn't he, yesterday? which spoke a lot about what, what his teammates think of him in the dressing room. Whereas I thought Martin or someone like that, I get it, but yeah, they think highly of Target. I just love the way well, to give Grealish a whack yesterday and Target was straight over saying, what are you doing to my mate there? Um, but yeah, he's, 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 he's grooming stature. He's standing that game for me, he's leads away. He really got stuck into Leeds. Um, I thought, what's Target doing here? Um, but yeah, he's changed. He's up for the battle now. He was a bit, he's a bit frail last season, wasn't he? Adama Traore running ragged a few times and he didn't really see him up for the fight at times. But I mean, he's got his act together this season. Or far the most improved player for me. And um, another one knocking on the England door. Last summer, we were probably thinking when Matty Cash came in to upgrade Gilbert, we were thinking the Target was going to be the next one. That Villa would sign a better left back to to make target a squad player. He wasn't having any of that. Um, I've been amazed by how aggressive he's become, yeah. really. Uh, like Ash said, he probably was a little bit timid um, last season, but the fact that he'd been able to keep himself fit and had this extra aggression. And, you know, he's, let's not forget that he, he, he still provides, you know, a lot of the kind of attacking support down that left as well. You know, finish the season with a brilliant assist Um from that kind of disguised corner for for Bertie um, on Sunday, I think he's um, I think he's almost like the kind of the example to anybody who thinks what do I need to do to become a consistent Premier League player? You know, I, I don't know. Ash, you might know better than than me this, and I'm sorry if I'm putting you on the spot. But is there anybody who's particularly worked with him? Is there any, is there any other secret to it, or is it from all come from within the guide? You know. Or, Villa's performance department and the, they've been beefed up tenfold. I think they're all working at it in that performance centre as well. I think they're, 
and big emphasis on on athleticism, strength. I think they're all doing it now, and, and Target's been the big beneficiary of that. So they look to do that in the summer as well. I think, yeah, I think all of them. Are, I think these with backroom staff, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So I think he's leaning on them, and he's really knuckled down. And he wasn't good enough last season. There's no bones about that. Um, and he's addressed that in the summer. And I mean, I think Smith said last like, when he saw him from Southampton, he wasn't fit enough. Neil Neil Tyler kept him out for the start of the season. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's, he's just knuckled down and got fitter, trimmer, stronger. But now he's primarily left back in his own right. So, so yeah, I mean, they're all working hard behind the scenes and none more so than Matt Target. The next category we've got is most important player. And it feels like we're venturing into sports territory a little bit here, just creating categories so we can give out a few more awards so everyone gets a bit of the limelight. Because this, this is basically player of the season, isn't it, really? But is there a difference between player of the season and who's most important to Villa ticking over and playing well? The obvious answer is Jack Grealish. We know how, how important he is. But is there anyone else that you think gets that tag of most important? I think for the reasons that we discussed, Jack Grealish is really important, obviously. But I gen- after seeing the Palace match, I would genuinely fear where we'd be if we'd lost Grealish and Tyrone Mings. I think Tyrone Mings, without Tyrone Mings, what is this back line? It's something that just kind of adapts to situations. Tyrone Mings, look, he leads the, the league in, in errors leading to goals, but that's for a reason. He's managing the entire squad on the pitch. So for me, Tyrone Mings, that doesn't dismiss Martinez's importance, Matty Target's importance, Watkins or Grealish. For me, it has to be Mings or don't know where we'd be without him in that back line. No, it's just back back to Jack for me again. Um, he just occupies two or three opposition defenders and it just allows Villa to play. Uh, it means that Villa, rather than being a kind of steady, predictable team who are easy to second guess, all of a sudden these holes appear in, 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 in all over the pitch that Villa can exploit. And that's because of Jack Grealish's ability uh, to just, I don't know, to just cause mayhem. I suppose, and to be like like no other player, I don't think I've really ever seen in Aston Villa shirt. So he'd get my vote again. Yeah, Grealish for me as well. Um, for all the reasons Matt, Matt spoke of, I just want to give Ollie Watkins a mention as well because obviously against Chelsea on Sunday, he chased down a hopeless corner. Villa won the corner and they got a score off from it, and that sums him sums his game up really. He's pressing and doesn't give the defenders a moment's peace. So he's important to Villa's play. I think James touched on it. This, this Tammy Abraham deal. I think I think Smith wants a pressing centre forward. Is, is Tammy that? I don't think he is. And then they'll, they'll go with Watkins again. I think Watkins will look to play thirty eight out of thirty eight next season. I think that's been speak. I think highly of him. He's a long term investment, and for that thirty three million pound pound they spent on him, and so important to, to Villa moving forward. And I think he'll be even better next season after his one year of bedding in. So Jack Grealish and Ollie Watkins are close second for for most important. Yeah, you and me on the same page, Ash. I'd have said Ollie Watkins for most important as well after Jack Grealish. We all know what Grealish offers, but I think the way we play is Ollie Watkins is vital to that from pressing from the front and his energy and work rate as, as one of the corners that we've scored from or has been involved in winning a foul heart of the pitch and us moving forward. So uh, I don't think his, his importance can be um, underestimated. Um, best goal of the season. We did like an end of 2020 roundup and I feel like my answer still probably is the same that I had then. I think I said Ollie Watkins goal against Arsenal, the team move where Martinez rolls it out and Grealish runs half the length of the pitch, rolls it through to Watkins and he starts to pass the keeper and we're starting to think, oh, Villa are serious here, we're, we're actually a, a good football club, we're, we're playing well and who knows what this season might have in store. Um, also like Traoré's against Albion as well, where he's just passed it into the net yeah, yeah. Um, just for 
the audacity of it, to be honest. Um, but best goal of the season, I've had a full 38 games and a full kind of 19 or 20 since that end of 2020 review. So then I've got a different one. Extremely left left field by extending the category slightly uh, and say Louis Barry's goal in the FA Cup um, against Liverpool. It was left field. Well, it was just left of centre. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was just, I don't know, I think it was, Villa were on a bit of a, a, were on a bit of a downer at the time because Bodymore had shut down, mm. you know, COVID had knocked, or not just not the world, not the world and not the team out of, out of the stride. And it was just, I think it was just the delight on the lad's face, to be honest. And <laughs> perhaps wrongly, I kind of saw Louis Barry as being this kind of flash, kind of Jack the Lad character, I think, probably because I, I my my version of him, of him was through kind of Instagram and stuff like that. But it was just just seeing that it was just a young boy who was just absolutely buzzing with excitement, surrounded by lots of other young boys who were absolutely surrounded by excitement. And it was a brilliant, brilliantly executed goal. To be honest, I think it was yeah. Callum Rowe who, who, who spotted him and played the through ball. And then it was just, you know, and I think people have made these comparisons. I think Jurgen Klopp called him Jamie Vardy and I think Michael Owen was doing the commentary and likened him to Michael Owen. Um, <laughs> and it was just it was just a really, really proud moment, the fact that even if you write off all of our first-team squad, you've still got this kind of, this really exciting squad of players bubbling under um, with with ability and enthusiasm. So I know it's a bit random, but I just really, really enjoyed that as a moment and as a goal. No, I appreciate the randomness. Ash? The nonchalance of Burton Shaw, right? I'll be in a while. I just love that. Um, just passing it in. Just, yeah, took, took the mickey a little bit, but that's Shaw right for you. But really like that finish and... Yeah, audacity of it as well. So I'll go Bertrand. Yeah, I was lucky enough to see that live. So so thanks, Ash, for having the uh, having the time off because <laughs> just did it like in the stadium. You know, we would benefit as as ten thousand people saw yesterday from seeing stuff live on TV. That looks faster than it did in the stadium because I was just looking there, thinking, "What's he done there?" And all of a sudden, it's in. And it's uh, yeah. See, so audacity is Bertrand all over, like we've already said. So you know, our guys gives it a shout. McGinn kind of done the same thing against Palace. Louis Bowes was fantastic, but yeah, gotta go for a Bertrand show. It's just silly goal, weren't it? You're, you're a Bertrand, you didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah big guys. fan, big, big, big fan. Best moment of the season now. This could be a goal, it could be a crunching slide tackle, it could be a killer through ball, whatever you fancy. Um, what, what, what's the best moment of the season? It's hard to look past the the demolition of Liverpool for me. I think mine, and again, this is me being super jealous of Ash and all those ten thousand people in the stadium yesterday. It probably was that Martinez fist, fist pump, really. I know that's really random. Probably the best moment because I'm an old man and I can't remember anything further than, yeah. <laughs> you know, than a day ago. Um, but it just, I said this yesterday, Dantia, that it's almost like these players have been kind of TV characters rather than, and they still are to, to those of us who haven't set foot back inside Villa Park. But, that was real then. That was a that was a real kind of moment of the mutual appreciation society back back up and running. Uh, and for me, albeit watching on the television, it was that sign that that we're getting football football back again. And what better moment than Martinez, who has become this kind of massive fans' favourite, almost kind of thanking the you know thanking the fans for the support there. But to me, it was thanking the fans for the support from afar. So yeah. it was just that. It was just that kind of you know collectiveness. I think that 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 moment summed up. Jack Grealish's pass against Crystal Palace. It's just 
you know, I know what can tip the post from it, but it was at a time when he <laughs> led the world in um, creating chances. So ahead of like Lionel Messi and everyone. So you know, he wasn't getting the respect he deserved, and he does that, and it's a highlight reel for everyone. And we're just all like, yeah, that's what Grealish is about. And you know, no, nothing came of it, but yeah, it's a, a lovely, lovely little highlight reel. Shows exactly what Jack Grealish is about. It's all style and loads of substance as well. So yeah. Good moment. And days would come out for his pre-match as well. He said the airs in the back of the next stand. It was such a such a kind of an atmosphere. But I'm, I'm going to say the, the FA Cup, the Louis Barry, that that, that the moment pips it for me. I had the mask on at the time, COVID and whatnot. I just sm- I was smiling from here to here when when he went through and scored. Just I mean, it was crazy because Liverpool went so strong, and then they brought Thiago on. There's Mane, Salah playing, and they pushed him for an hour. These are just kids, 16, 17 years playing, and so, yeah, that, I thought that was brilliant and. Like, like Matt said in previously, like, just lit it up because I was a bit doom and gloom around them. And Louis Barry running off like a kid, like, like we all want to do, what we all dream of doing, and he did it. So that one pips it for me. That was really special, given, given the circumstance surrounding it. And yeah, yeah, just the audacity to go to it, to equalise. Just as a little follow up to that one, but your kind of best moment working throughout this season, Ash, obviously we've all been working <clears throat> throughout this, me and Matt have been doing the podcast, but we're not there at Villa Park, it's not the same, our best podcast from home moment, it's ridiculous <laughs> to even think of anything like that. Has there been a best moment actually being there, Ash? I know obviously the fans was a special thing yesterday, but a best press conference moment or a post-match interview or anything like that that stands out as a, a highlight of actually being there this season? Probably being my mate Pep, um, I've working <laughs> in our friendship, um, asked him about Douglas <laughs> Louise, didn't I? And he said, listen, I ain't got time for that, but he's a good player, and uh, we'll see what happens. Because he bit me enough last year because I asked him about VAR and David Silver scored. I said, yeah. what do you think about VAR? And he, he got the mic, he bashed the mic and he went, VAR, something like that. And, <laughs> and, yeah, sorry. And, um, but yeah, me and Pep, I think, got a friendship. I just want to congratulate him on winning the title. But, but no, that was a nice moment. <laughs> hell, of a, hell of a ride. I mean, up and down the motorways on the jack. And um, But it's been such an enjoyable season. So, yeah, can't fault him. Um I've had a couple of ding dongs with the players over player rating, so I've been writing them higher, and that they've improved for it. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's been, it's been a hell of a hell of a ride, and here's the next season. Yeah, it's a nice little way to to sum up. I think it's, it has been a, a kind of a wild ride, hasn't it? I've said a few times it feels like the seasons are the flown by, absolutely dragged at times. I can't quite put my finger on what I think about it all, but a whole season's done behind closed doors. Hopefully, we're all back there sooner rather than later, and it's. It's been fun, hasn't it, for the most part? We've done a lot of these post-match podcasts where I said, Christ, I've been bored to tears watching that because we've had some poor performances in, in the second half of the season. But for the most part, it's been a fun season back in the Premier League and mid-table finish, 55 points. You you can't grumble with that, can you? I don't think. Some will, but I'm not going to. I like how you um didn't choose a game of the season, Dan, because we haven't mentioned Liverpool 7-2 more times as it should have been mentioned because yeah. we haven't yeah. had a game of the season, which would have been Liverpool... More than likely, Liverpool 7-2. So I made up an award at the end just to cover our back. That's our little end-of-season debrief done. Um, we'll have a lot more reaction over the next few weeks of um, what we need to do in the summer and transfer business and all the rest of it. But that's a, a wrap on the 2020-21 season. We enjoyed it very much. Hopefully everyone who's been watching this podcast over the last season we enjoyed our random waffle as well as the uh, football analysis from James and Ash when they're on and the waffle from me and Matt when we were on. Uh, so thanks everyone for watching and we'll, uh, we'll catch you again in a few days' time. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.